All right, we're here. Everybody, please welcome. Oh, here's my applause. To Johnny Bean TV, Billy Sheehan. Hello, amigo. There we go. Okay. Hit it. Hello, everyone. I'm your bass player, Billy Sheehan, right here on Johnny Bean TV. There we are. Hey, awesome. Are you stirring your martini there? Yeah. <laughs> like. What are you having tonight? I'm I'm having just a sparkling sparkling water. I haven't decided yet. I, you know, I haven't I, I went for like forty days without any drink at all, with no alcohol. Just just because mm -hmm. I it's it, you enjoy it more when you stop for a while, you know. You're constantly Yes, you know, social pressure hey have a drink so i just for 40 days i didn't have anything to drink and uh now i'm back so i'll choose something this evening <laughs> right on right on so hey everybody billy sheehan is here we're gonna we'll be hanging out with you guys for uh, for a little bit tonight it is october 22nd 2022 it is it's, oh, it's almost 5 p.m here in california 7 p.m in nashville uh, 8 p.m. in in the East Coast, and welcome everybody. And right out of the gate here, we like to say hello to the top tier of channel members here on Johnny Bean TV here on YouTube, and they are Stephen Franklin, Michael Smith, Music Therapy Lads, Majestic PB and J Cat, Thomas Santiago, Guitar Man 45, Sherman Callahan, Thomas Santiago again, John Moronic, R Habs, David Allen Wright, and Warlag. And that's the applause. Thank you so much. Top tier channel members. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, Billy. Yes, sir. It's great to see you, man. Good to see you again. It's awesome. You you were here a couple years ago. Right on. And we had a great time. It, it was it was awesome. And um so so glad to to see you. And let let me let me let me just say um I, when I when I first met you, it's a, it's a pretty it's a pretty cool story. Um, I lived in Lincoln, Nebraska at the ah, time. Nineteen ninety. I know where you're going with this. Nineteen ninety two. Yeah. <laughs> it was a very good year. It was. It was. And and um, John I, Terry. I, that's right, John. John the Animal Terry. He was the the DJ at the local Lincoln, Nebraska um, classic rock station Q102 FM Q102, and somehow him and I became friends. I don't I don't know how. I used to hang out with him at the studio and stuff. Um, but uh, one one day, I guess he tells me, "Hey, guess who's coming to town?" And I skipped school for that day. And I basically followed you guys around that entire day. Yeah, we uh, we were very thankful uh, to John. He was the guy who started playing to be with you out of nowhere. And it's a funny thing because Atlantic Records found out that Lincoln, Nebraska, to be with you was taking off. We'd already done about three singles off the Lean Into It record and nothing caught fire. Mm -hmm. So we were ready to turn around and come back home. We'd been on tour a lot, I think a lot with Rush and the Scorpions and a bunch of tours we did uh, on our own as well. 
so we were thinking, well, let's go back in and try another record. Nothing happened off this one. So I don't know where John Terry started playing it. And Atlantic Records uh, heard about it. And then they, Atlantic Records accused us of having friends in Lincoln, Nebraska that were calling it. There's a couple of things you have to have. You have to have retail sales. People are buying the, the record. And you also have to have uh, phone requests. Uh, those are the two metrics that they use to see if a record is really starting to take up. So they mm-hmm. so having friends in Lincoln buying, going to buy the record and calling the station, which to us, we thought, <laughs> you mean you can cheat? <laughs> we, <had no> idea. <laughs> we knew you could cheat. We would have had, we would been given by here 50 bucks. Go call the station. <laughs> we, we were already pretty broke to start with. So that wouldn't have worked. Uh, so, uh, so sure enough, they actually flew a guy into Lincoln, Nebraska to see if it was real. They didn't believe it. And oddly enough, Atlantic pushed against us the whole time. They didn't want, they, they had other artists that they were more concerned with. They wanted their records to do well. So a radio station, they would add to their playlist, a new mm-hmm. song, a new artist. Usually they don't do more than one artist per label because it's kind of a, you don't want to look like your favor in one label over another. Right. Yeah. So they would call the, the radio stations that added to be with you say, no, 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 add the Phil Collins record or add, you know, and they try and stop them from adding our record to stop us because they had their other priorities. But thank God for our manager, Herbie Herbert, uh, God rest his soul. Uh, one of the kingpins of the music biz, founding fathers. He was the guy who said, why don't we sell T-shirts at the show with the band's name on them? Hmm. The merch business was born. That's that's a good idea. And I saw Hendrix. There was nothing for sale. You know, nothing. You know, walk in, see the show. Saw so, uh, ten years after Johnny Winter. Nothing. You know. Mm-hmm. Back in that day. So that was the beginning. Anyway, he was the guy who was our manager, and he 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 uh, quarterbacked that whole uh, uh, situation with "To Be With You." We're forever indebted to him, and uh, as well to John Terry. For, for for believing us and then it was uh, number one for three weeks on billboard and then uh, number one in 14 countries so uh, we are supremely grateful to your friend john thank you i actually haven't seen him in years i um we should probably get get in touch with him i think yeah I think, I, uh... once in a while i hear somebody that mentions his name but you know we don't do much radio anymore in the usa with with any band that i'm in really it's not radio. Yeah. It's not the, other than oldies radio. I mean, they'll play to be with you probably 40 times a day, but <laughs> other than that, that's all they're going to do. <laughs> we're, we're, we're thankful for that. Man. So yeah, that, that day you got, you guys came to town and I, I skipped school. I saw you guys. Um, you guys actually came to a music store called Dietz music. And um, I was actually taking guitar lessons at the time at, uh, with one of the guys that worked at the store. Not that particular location. There was the downtown location. But this, you, you guys came to like the smaller location, that, like the brand new one. Yeah, I don't recall the details of that because it was such a whirlwind at the time. Yeah. We were, uh, and then we went back out on tour to tour all over again, every place we already had. And so we were... Uh, uh, beaten beaten up pretty badly but in a good way one particular incident we were playing the omni in atlanta opening for mm-hmm. rush mm-hmm. about 18 or twenty thousand people easy 
sold out show. But we had two days off before that. So they flew us to Berlin to get off the plane, go drop our suitcase at the hotel, run back to the TV station. There's a whole other story. What happened on this show was unbelievable. Um, and <laughs> go, go right to the TV station. Then we thought, we'll go to the TV station, do a sound check, go back to the hotel, take a nap. Now, once we were at the TV station, we couldn't leave because they had a, a guest on that was a huge security uh, situation with. There was a judge in Italy that was prosecuting the mafia. And they had helicopters, sharpshooters, uh, armored vehicles oh on the street, giant uh, uh, inch-thick metal uh, baffles all around in every room in case a bomb blew up. Like, oh, my so, God. No, you guys got to stay here. So, wow. So we walked out on stage, too. <laughs> with you. Thank you very much. <laughs> We're done. We fly back to uh, the tour. We get to Atlanta. We're, we haven't you know, we're, we're, we're spinning from lack of sleep and food and anything. So we get, and that's the show where Paul Gilbert took the drill that he was playing his solo with and oh. held it up to his, and he tried to go up to the crowd like, I can't hear you, but he still had the drill in his hand. When it, it stuck in his hair and he ran to the side of the stage because he couldn't let go. And his guitar was feeding back, you know, like crazy. So I yeah. went out and, and let's look behind him and just start doing a bass solo. And sure enough, he came back. And I found out when he was back there, the crew guys walked up to him with, with a scissors. And he goes, no, 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 don't cut my hair. Put it in reverse. During the show, people were screaming. Put it in reverse and hit the trigger. So they put it in reverse and hit the trigger. And back the other way. Running around. And so finally they got the thing out and uh the next night, the guys in Rush, they left power tools all over the stage as a joke. There's circular saws and drills. Oh, and no. So that um, was pretty good. That, that, was, that was because of that. <laughs> oh, I remember hearing that story. And by the way, it, a, a joke around here. Anytime somebody mentions the name Paul Gilbert, I show this, uh, this selfie right here. There you go. It was a selfie that I took at Nam with a couple of cool dudes. Right. And uh, so there you go. Billy Sheehan. They're, they're awesome, man. Awesome. Oh, and as, a, as an aside, the judge that they had, it was kind of a weird show because they had uh, Afghan uh, victims of landmines and, a, and an oh. organization that was trying to uh, uh, raise money for them. Then mm -hmm. the Italian judge who was prosecuting the mafia that had, they must have had 500 troops around the building and helicopters, Italian, German secret police, German regular police, German military. Uh, and that, and after that, okay, and now Mr. Big. <laughs> so, was that a pretty tough to, you know, that was that kind of solemn uh, thing for us to go out and do that. But here's an aside. Sadly, they built a road in Italy. Uh huh. They, there was a whole highway built. This judge happened to be driving down it. They built a bomb into the highway. They killed him. Oh, oh my gosh. They actually constructed a highway over a bomb and waited until this guy, they knew eventually he would drive this particular highway. And they, oh. and they got, sadly, they got the guy. Unbelievable. So, wow. And now, don't fool around with the mafia. That's my no. advice to you today. Ah, it wasn't me. <laughs> oh my, I'm going to stand up, though, because there, there we go. I, I do half these shows sitting half standing because I've got one of those desks. That's good. There we, there we go. Yeah, see? You don't okay. mind if I remain seated. Very good. Very good. By the way, Stephen Franklin, I, I saw that. Thank you, 
thank you, Stephen Franklin, for helping support the show. He says hello, Johnny and Billy. And, Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm, I'm trying. I saw a guy earlier ask about eat him and smile. People do all the time. Uh, I've responded to it a billion times, but I do understand when people want to know about it. There's this. There's no plan for anything like that. Of course, all of us would love to do that. Uh, can I, I can I ask can I ask you a question? Sure. There. Were you guys supposed to uh, perform? Were you about to say that? Were you supposed to perform at a, at a club in Hollywood? No, that's like a, recently. Another, yeah, it's just true. We we posted about it. And it was years ago, and uh, we're just going to get up and jam. No sound check. No nothing. Go up, play two songs, get off, and that's that's mm-hmm. the way jam works at this particular club. And mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, that was over. They, it was free to get in, and they let too many people in. And fire department came, couldn't do it. But that, that was. But we hung out, and that was cool. But I just, uh, yeah, I see a, a, a lot of hate hate comments. I'll, whenever I say, yeah, I'd be into doing uh, 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 Eat Him and Smile, of course. Hate hate comments. Say, yeah, he's doing, he, he needs the money. I'll do it for free. I don't need the money, okay? <laughs> I'm fine here, bro. <laughs> the internet is a weird place, man. Oh, hateful, hateful, hateful. Yeah, yeah. But, um but I mean, if anything, with the internet, I mean, it does show you just just how many you know fans there are. Of it's really great. I've got friends all over the place. I get emails from Pakistan, Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, the Middle East, uh, mm-hmm. from all over Africa, India. Uh, I get more email from Indonesia. We played there a lot back in the day, and we were one of the first Western bands to play in some of their cities there. And they were just hmm. wonderful. Uh, of course, Japan and the rest of Southeast Asia too: Korea, Thailand, Malaysia, Singapore. Uh, just and all over South America is amazing. Uh, incredible fans down there, and all over Europe. So we're it's it's really a great way to access uh, some really wonderful people. Of course, there's a couple of bad apples that, that, that try to spoil it for everyone, but we don't let them. You know, I'm just glad wow. to be in touch with a lot of great, great, wonderful people who have been very, very kind to me. And I do what I can for them when I can, if I got to say happy birthday to somebody or something, or, or we got mm-hmm. a bunch of guys that use the attitude base uh, that write to me and they had a little problem. So I'll explain to them what to do. Or, and if I, if I have a part that they need and they can't find it out, I'll, I'll ship it off to them. <laughs> so oh, wow. it's a good, it's a, it's a really a wonderful thing. I, I try not to let the uh, the dark, evil uh, creatures uh, sully the uh, uh, the atmosphere of the internet because overwhelmingly, just fantastic people that I'm and I'm running into old friends that I haven't seen for ages. You know, kids I went to high school with and mm-hmm. uh, all mm-hmm. that. Just it's a fantastic thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I I think um, after this, I'm going to try to find John Terry. Actually, yeah, good was. idea. Let me because know if you do. <laughs> if it wasn't for him, we never would have met. There you See? go. We never would have met. And I'll, I'll tell you exactly when, when I first met you. Going back to that that previous story, when I when I first met you, I went. You guys were in town again. For you guys just tuning in, uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. This DJ named John Terry. He started playing to be with you. Became a huge hit. You guys all know it. The band Mr. Big came to town. They did a couple signings. One at a local music shop called Deets. And one at a uh, a record store called Pickles. I remember Pickles that. Records and oh. tapes. And then that night, 
you guys played at the at uh, Lincoln at the university university. You played a show for tw- I think it was twelve dollars. I think it had something to do with that was like a magic number somehow. And so I went and I saw you guys. And I remember when I first met you, I met you at it, probably it was at uh, Deets, I guess. I remember walking up to you and and uh, one of my favorite bands, Van Halen, was going to be in town. They were going to be in Omaha uh, like the next month, I guess. And I went up to you and I'm like, hey, hey, Billy, awesome to meet you. Can you get me backstage at Van Halen? That's what I asked you. And, and you're like, you're like, you're like, nah, it's a different organization, you know. And um, but I'm like, I, I'm like, I tried when they were still know. the original band because <laughs> Dallas, my, my, my band from Buffalo, we opened up yes. for them in 1980. Yeah. In fact, we played Lincoln, Nebraska on that tour. 1980. I know I still have the backstage pass from there. I remember mm-hmm. that. I think, sorry. <laughs> but uh, and Omaha, I think we played there as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I used to go to those shows after we had done touring with them on their later tours. And since I knew most of the crew guys and everything, I would always go back and see. But once the once the the the, the world split in two with Dave and and and, and Van Allen, uh, I was uh, since I was with Dave, I was kind of a. But later on, uh, we we made good friends. Uh, myself back again, me and Eddie, and I've always been friends with Michael and Alex too. And so, yeah, I I, I love those guys. Me too. I I, I love them. them, all of them, all me of them, too, all of them. and um. Yeah, that that is that is kind of something I just kind of wonder, um, you know, you know, being on tour with Van Halen in 1980 and then going and joining Dave, you know, did did you catch did you catch Van Halen on 86 tour at all? Did you sneak in? And, no, and- I didn't. Uh, we didn't see. Uh, it's kind of tough to go out to see shows uh, in general because we're plus it's kind of like a busman's holiday, you know. When a bus man takes a holiday, goes for a bus ride. You know, mm-hmm. I don't get to see too much. So there's no reason why or not. It's just as difficult to get out to see shows sometimes. But no, I didn't. I didn't see him. But they they did great. They did great with Sammy. I loved the first Montrose record. Man, one of the greatest rock records ever made. I love yeah. that. Rock Candy, Space Station Number Five. Good rocking tonight. Amazing uh, record. And I recently, I just played with. Uh, Sammy Hagar played in Chicago for a benefit show and Michael is playing with him. So I got up and we jammed uh, one of the Montrose songs. I forgot, but I played with Sammy a bunch of times. He's a wonderful guy as well. And very, 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 very nice. Uh, wonderful man. His voice is still great, but uh, I'm the only guy that's played with every member of Van Halen. <laughs> <laughs> Jam with Michael. Uh, we played with Ken Hensley, keyboard player from Uriah Eve playing uh easy living mm-hmm. two bass players me and michael doing a harmony mm-hmm. play with dave of course played with gary sharon we did the uh, who tribute me mike portnoy paul gilbert gary sharon uh played of course and then i i jammed with ed at uh jason becker benefit myself steve lukather pat torpy and ed and i also went to the to the house uh studio to play with ed and al one time as well and then I also played with oh, Wolfie wow. only when he was a little kid. And I wouldn't, didn't play music. We're flying home from the Jason Becker thing, and uh, Ed wanted to get to sleep, and he had his son with him. Uh, so I, so he said, will you keep an eye on him? I said, yeah, sure. So I, I sat him down. We got some paper from the flight attendant and some pencils, and we're drawing you know, 
animals and doing he's a little tiny kid you know and so i technically yeah. i played with him but not music he's a sweet kid <laughs> I'm so glad he's doing so well now it's so great yeah, yeah. So really, really yeah I, i've seen some video of him playing just great i hear he's a very very fine young man as well so glad to see yes him. yeah it's amazing and uh i see we have another question here our friend uh sprainer kruger is saying, and Mr. Sheehan, I love rewatching your Jason Becker tribute concert. You were just talking about that. Um, yeah, the show in in, in Chicago, yeah. right? Well, I just got uh, a friend of mine who was at the show called me about a year ago. And said, "Hey, you know, I've got because uh, the only videos that exist are handheld camera where the sound is, yeah. like, you know, it's just awful." Yeah. She calls me out of nowhere and goes, hey, you know, I've got a multi-track recording of the Jason Becker show. I go, what? <laughs> you do? It's on VHS. <laughs> it was recorded on ADAT. You're kidding. Oh, wow. So he's a, a small plane pilot. So he, he lives in Atlanta. He flew in. Got me. I took him to a digital uh, recovery place. And we've got wow. the multi-track version of the, uh, of the show, which is of all the artists, too, everyone that played that night. Zach wow. Wilde, Hudson, uh Everybody played that night. And uh, so I'm not sure I'd like to, uh, if I can contact uh, Wolfie or or the Van Halen estate or something like that and let them know I have it. Of course, they can have it. Uh, oh, right on. Right on. I it, you know, I would, I would never, I, I can't play it. I wouldn't play it for anyone. And I also, I don't, uh, it's, it's, it's Ed. And so it's, I look, I look at it as, as maybe they can, Maybe the Van Halen estate will will do something with it, and maybe get some more money for Jason uh, Becker as well. Who knows? But but I got it. As soon as I can find out who to give it to, it's theirs. So I can help you out too, because I'm good friends with Jason and his family. Actually, with with Jason Becker, I oh, know well, Jason. I know. Yeah, I think it would have to be a little bit more from the Van Halen estate than from Jason, but, but I, my purpose is to either have, have the Van Halen estate have it, a turnover mm -hmm. to be happy to, mm -hmm. uh, uh, or uh, may, and maybe they would like to do, so, but that's up to them. I, I it's not my property right. actually, you know, and right. the guy who, uh, gave to me, a, a, a very dear friend of mine, Mark Weinstein, uh, he lives in Atlanta. He, uh, I'm sure he'd be, uh, in total agreement with that too, because it's a, it's for a certainly for a good cause, and nobody would ever want to make. I certainly don't want to make any money off something like that. It's just a beautiful, mm -hmm. beautiful thing that Ed did for Jason, and uh, we'll see. Who knows? Yeah, well, that that sounds awesome, and yeah, I've I've seen the uh, the the really really like fuzzy you know versions yeah, that are out there. Yeah, yeah. But it, I, also it was a have, I also found and recovered a full live pro shot video of the Anita and Smiles show. And I have it. I think I'm the only one that has it. Whoa. I remember where I got it from. And I don't think he has it anymore. It was on a VHS cassette. Uh -huh. I had it transferred years ago. And it's full, full pro shot. Uh, so, again, it's not my property. That would be Dave's property. So if he ever wanted it, I'd be happy to, to give it to him. We'll see. Right on. Right on. Well, Dave, if you're watching. <laughs> <laughs>
My number wow. is 555. <laughs> yeah, I just put my number out there. My number is always there. Uh, let's see. Sprainerd has another another question here. Thank you again for your support for this channel. Sprainerd, Paul right Gilbert and Kristen Slater in the same room. We tried to get Tom Hanks and Neil Pert together, and that sadly na- na- never happened. Huh? Man, I've... <laughs> You never know. It's like opening a fortune cookie. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> Man, we got a lot of awesome people here. Let's say hello to some people. We got Mike Olson. He's here. We got Paco. Our friend Paco is here. Yeah. Fact, our friend. Thank you, friend Francisco. Francisco. Yeah. yeah. He goes by he goes by Paco. He's actually in a band. Oh, the elephant gun. Uh, there it and, is. It was funny because um, we were working on that song, and Steve did that. Do do that, that little. Oh, on the on the guitar in the break. And so Dave came down to the basement. And he heard, "Oh, that's great, Billy. You double it." I was like, "Uh oh, <laughs> what are you doing?" And, uh, we did it together. It was kind of cool. I love playing with uh, Steve and Greg. Was one. They're still like brothers to me. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Is is that what kind of triggered a lot of the the doubling of the solos? Because you would go on to do that with Paul Gilbert later on too. Yeah, I did. Uh, well, I played a lot of the stuff on Skyscraper that, unknown to me, Steve decided to double. Steve was into this doubling thing. Oh. He even take someone speaking and take the pitches of their voice and play it on guitar which uh-huh. was amazing, alien-sounded thing. But Ted Templeman, in his wisdom, knew that the tone of the guitar when you double, when you take a guitar line and then play it again, it takes yeah. incredible skill to do it, but it also, sometimes more is less. So the, the impact of the instrument isn't quite as much. So Ted didn't want to, because Steve wanted to double everything. And Ted said, no, we'll do a couple solos, but... And, and I'm glad he did because Steve's guitar, I love his tone on that record. It's just when he played a chord, it's just a massive thing. Instead of being doubled and stereoed and, uh, you know. Yeah. Out. So, so I'm, I'm glad he did that. But but it, it did create a kind of a thing that Paul and I did. I did also with Tony McAlpine. Do now with Richie Kotzen in Winery Dogs. And we even did a little bit of it on the new Talos record as well. Whoa! So, it's awesome. lit down. <laughs> the, and the new Talos record, the one with the DeLorean on the front, right? Yes, sir. Brand new. It's oh, doing, that's it's doing great too. We just uh, I just found out from the label they did a big shipment to England. We've never even played in England, but people have heard about the band. European market, Japan. It charted in Japan. We've charted on on Billboard here in the USA, which doesn't mean the same as it used to. I'm mean, used mm-hmm. to be if you sell five hundred thousand records, you chart now. If you sell 500, <laughs> you'll chart. It's a little different than it used to be. But nevertheless, we're very, very pleased about <laughs> it. And uh, the response to the record has been just great. Thankfully, because uh, as you know, we, we, we lost our lead singer right after we finished uh, uh, recording. He passed away. Uh, and uh, initially, we really wanted to make it a tribute to 1985 and all the things we did back then, everything that happened mm-hmm. before I left Buffalo and went to L.A., but now it's it's that too, but it's also a tribute to his legacy. And he was just a 
wonderful, wonderful guy, great singer, amazing performer, entertainer, great songwriter. And he killed on this record. He just did so good. Uh, and, and unknown to us, he knew that he was in trouble with his health. But he got up mm. that like anyway and, and just nailed it. And then we, sadly, we lost him soon after. Uh, so it was uh, it's bittersweet uh, to put this record out now. Mm. We're, we're, we're very, very happy that everyone's responded to it in such a positive way because uh, that, that means a lot to us for Phil. And that's a, it's a very, uh, like I said, bittersweet situation. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Spranard, another question. Thank you, Spranard, for your, your, your uh, support. Last question for Sir Sheehan. If you could write a song for even a movie, or even a movie score for that matter, for any film, would you choose and why? So w- would you score a movie? Or have you scored a movie? I, I haven't, but um, I know, I think for Eyes Wide Shut, they use one guy on one piano. And he used the piano to make all these noises and stuff. I think I might, they may have used music elsewhere in the song as well. But as far as I know, there was one guy on one piano, David Grusin was his name, maybe? Who did the soundtrack for that? So that'd be kind of cool to do a hmm. soundtrack just on bass with all the, you know. That. Then I can, I can do a bell, a bell tone. Maybe start an ACDC record with that, but uh, just to do some uh, something just on bass would be kind of cool to do a uh, some noises and a couple little melodies, some some funk things with a kick hat snare. Mm-hmm. It would be, be fun to do, but haven't done it yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do, do you do you write and, and record? Do, do you have do you do you do a lot of like your own stuff? I know you're in a, a lot of different bands. Do you do your own like write your own demos and stuff? And oh then- yeah, yeah. We're here in my, I'm here in my studio now. We've done about, during the pandemic, we recorded over 600 tracks, about five albums, clients around the world. And then I've done three solo records, wrote, uh, right on almost every record I play on. And uh, matter of fact, I just posted a picture of me and Billy Gibbons. Yeah. In Soundcheck. And Billy Gibbons played on uh, a record I did called Holy Cow. And a song called A Little Bit Will Do It To You Every Time. And I play that song for people. And I say, before I play it, I go, guess the guitarist. The first note they go, Billy Gibbons? is so obviously <laughs> it's his own. It's so amazing. So, yeah, we have done, done a bunch of stuff on my own. And we continue to. Uh, the drummer from Corn is a dear friend of mine. He lives here in Nashville, too. Ray Lugier. And we've mm-hmm. been putting together music for a while. We're going to do just a kind of bass and drum insane thing so that new winery dogs record is coming it's mixed ready to go i wrote along with mike portnoy and richie Cotson. we wrote that record together uh all the mr big stuff uh, uh, a lot of that publishing was split up between all four of us uh daddy brother lover little boy was my song addicted to that rush was my song so i write a lot record a lot and uh I'm lucky to play with some other people that write great. So I've, I've been, that's probably why I've had a hit record. It wasn't my song. <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, look, I just produced a record by a gentleman named John Statham, singer songwriter. A little countrified, and I'm not a country guy at all, but I just kind of mm-hmm. put the blinders on and worried about the song. Mm-hmm. And uh, wow, what a, what a record. Every, there's 
songs that bring tears to your eyes. It's just so great. So uh, we worked on a lot of stuff and uh, very, very glad to have done it. And uh, like I said, during the pandemic, we couldn't go anywhere. So we stayed right in here and me and my engineer, Scott, we, uh, we went through a lot of songs and we get songs from people that weren't like pro recording people. So mm-hmm. the song would be not together. <laughs> we had to figure out how do we, how do we make this work? A lot of more, a lot of more were very together, but sometimes you get one and the drums are a little funky and we yeah. had to figure out a way to do it. And it was, a, it was a great learning experience. And I did like electronic dance music, death metal, you know, uh, uh, funk, soul, a little country, believe it or not, heavy metal, straight up rock, singer, songwriter, uh, jazz, some classical pieces as well. And uh, so we, do, we went through a whole spectrum of uh, stylist, styles. So it was kind of a, an interesting challenge because I had to think, okay, what do I do for this song that'll, that'll, that isn't like the other stuff that I do, you know? It's an interesting, uh-huh. uh, interesting uh, time for me. I learned a lot. That's cool. And we see, you, you said you have, I don't know if that was on the air, but you have like another room full of basses there. Like, how do you, what, what do you choose? What do you use for, for, for I use this one that I kind of gravitate towards and stay with. This one here is one of the blue Yamaha attitudes. It's got uh, the Relentless pickups, these new pickups I designed with DiMarzio. They're curved. So they're not flat under the strings, so your fingers work on them really, really well. Oh, oh, wow! And uh, everybody that's tried them really likes them. Larry DeMarzo did an amazing job on them. The the, the pickups are covered in sheet nickel, uh-huh. which uh, is a uh, it stops any electro interference, electrical interference, because it's it's uh, magnetically transparent though, so the magnets will still respond to the string. But mm-hmm. super ultra quiet. So if you've ever played in a bar with a neon beer sign buzzing through your amp, <laughs> many of us have. We won't do it with these. <laughs> I I did that last week, and it was it was buzzing. It really was. Yeah, Man. it's all LED now. There's no more neon, so it's, it's quieter. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Actually, our friend Paco. Again, he said he was just about to ask about about that bass, and and actually our buddy Paco here, he's he actually plays guitar in a band with this guy named Sergio Blass, who who was in a band called Menudo, back I remember in that. the in the early eighties. They were this giant, huge, the boys to men, or or uh, yeah, in sync of the early eighties there. Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. huge. Yeah, v- very cool. huge. Right on. And it's, yeah, it's a small world because, of course, you know, he was in Menudo with, with Ricky Martin. And, and I think it was before we started here, I was telling you, I, I used to live with uh, Desmond Child. I, I, was in a, I was working with him for a while. And yeah. I used to let Ricky into the house while they're recording and writing, oh, uh, living La Vida Loca. I remember being in Japan, and they re-recorded it in Japanese. Oh, and wow. It's not hilarious, but... But they, they they made it work, and uh, I, I just remember when I when I uh, when I met uh, Desmond later. I'm thinking, hey, I'm sure you got a nice uh, royalty check from Japan for that. They re- did the re-record in a different language. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's quite yeah. a great songwriter. Really awesome. Ah, he's he's done incredible talent. So so much so much stuff. Um, speaking of of re-recording though, um, 
you, when you guys did Eat em and Smile, wasn't there a, a Spanish version of, yeah. of that record? Yeah, we were flying home from somewhere after recording the record, maybe in New York City, and I had a magazine that says how in South America and in Mexico, huge percentage of the population is under 25. And I thought, that's our, that's our demographic. So I mentioned we should record that because Dave spoke basic Spanish. He's pretty good. He called mm -hmm. it car wash Spanish, but it, we could we could get through it. So let's do the record in in Spanish, and, uh, and of course, Dave's manager at the time, you know, thought it was a stupid idea, ridiculous. So then then they eventually did do it, and then of course the manager said it was his idea in the end. So that's how things go like that. But we did it. It was just Dave and I singing. And I just sang it phonetically, you know. Timido, timido, hasta luido, with Shy Boy and Vuelto uh, Loco, El Color. That was uh, going crazy from the heat. They had to change <laughs> some of the lyrics to not quite as uh, suggestive. Because particularly in Mexico, it's a, it's a Catholic country. and They don't want, uh, you know, mm -hmm. bump and grind. I'm not sure what that became. <laughs> but it wasn't bump and grind. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! So so you just had you just re-recorded like the vocals, right? It was all the yeah, we, same we music. Went, Dave and I went to a studio and uh, during the day, and in the evening, missing persons were in there. So Terry oh. Bozio's set was set up, this massive, huge electronic kit, and then Del Bozio's mic was happened to be my mic, and her and on the windscreen was her lipstick and smelled of her perfume. So that was my. <laughs> That's as close as I ever got to <laughs> Del Bozio. <laughs> oh, oh man! Oh, missing persons—they're awesome. They're—I awesome. I saw them yeah, play really? at—I I saw them play at a tiny club in San Francisco years ago, and uh, I got to hang out with uh, with uh, the guitarist for a little bit. Um, Warren, uh, Warren. Yeah. Warren, not Demartini. Warren um, Cucarello. Yeah, Cucarello. Yeah, Terry played on my first solo record. Terry did the first, one of the first songs on it. Uh huh. Steve Bob played on it as well. My first solo record called wow. Compression. And we also, Terry and I did a solo record together called Nine Short Films, which uh, Terry did spoken word over all the songs. So each one is like some like deep, dark story. And it was a pretty, pretty cool record conceptually. That's cool. Man, you, you've done so much stuff. I mean, is there stuff you forget? Like you totally forget? Like like you'll happen to be scrolling the internet. You're like, what's this? Oh, that. yeah. Well, I always, we do, you know, meet and greet a lot of times now. And I don't like them because I don't like, I don't hate charging people for anything. And mm -hmm. so, but, you know, I got to pay the crew and the bus drivers and all that. So we do. But I, people write to me and say, you know, I can't, uh, I can't afford the meet. So just meet me outside. After the show, I'm, I'll be by the bus. I'll be happy to sign. And so I always meet everybody outside. And shh, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anyone I said this. Uh, and, and, uh, and, you know, <laughs> hang out and sign everything and uh, take photos. And it's great. And, and, again, I get to meet some amazing people, wonderful friends uh, that can come to the show and kind of put my thumb on the pulse of what they liked and what they didn't, you know. And I think so. so, so it's, it's a wonderful way. So often they'll have, like, a stack of CD covers like this thick. And I'll and I'll, I'll say okay, when I sign it, you pull that one away. I'll do the next one. So we go through them real quick because a lot of other people are waiting. Okay, bing, bang, bang, bang. Come on, come on, go. 
did I plan this? She goes, yeah, you open it up. Oh, it says right there. I got, I, I, I never remember that. I said, are you sure I planned on this? Yeah. It says right there. So I guess unless there's another Billy Sheehan there, have been a couple. Uh, <laughs> That's why your handle is Billy Sheehan on bass, right? Because yeah. there's other Billy Sheehans out there. Unless one, one of them's a bass fisherman. It's Billy, Billy Sheehan on bass. <laughs> <laughs> I could be. Uh, I'll meet him at Cabela's and get a, get some some camouflage. Oh man, man! What's the weirdest thing you've you've ever autographed for somebody or somebody yeah, who's like brought to you? Of course, back in the day, there were an occasional body part, but we, but we were yeah. always every band I've been in, the circle of people. We've always been respectful to people, so you know we didn't discourage it, but we'd also you know especially there's kids around, so you know, we can't you know do that stuff. So. You know, but mm-hmm. we, we always try to be a little respectful. But we, we signed a guy had had me sign the. He pulled up to the tour bus and had me sign the hood of his car. Of course, the next rain came and it was gone. So I'm sure. <laughs> you know, <thinking> that. <laughs> Billy, sure. <laughs> but I've signed a, a lot of people have these bases and they bring them out and mm-hmm. I always check them. You know, sight down the neck and make sure it's straight and. And uh, Yamaha did a great job on these. They they're really rock solid, and everyone I've seen has been righteous. So uh, th- th- it was good to know. That's that's great. That's great. And speaking of, so you have the signature bases. What else? What else do you have? I, I was here. A friend of mine was saying earlier. He was telling me um, you have signature pickups. I guess too. Yeah, these right? are, are those the ones you showed us. Signature pickups. I do a, a little box with EBS. It's basically. Um, the way to do a huge rack of gear like I used to have, but do it in a little box, an approximation mm-hmm. of it. And it works mm-hmm. really well. I've done records where I've just taken this box with me and it lets you get a distorty overdrive loud sound and a regular bass sound at the same time. And you can mix them together because normally if you get a lot of distortion on a bass, you lose the low frequencies. So this helps you yeah. do the EBS has done three versions of that. The purple, the orange and the blue. And, uh, I don't know if they're going to do a green one, but we'll see in the future. Each one, they've kind of made a few other modifications. And I got my Rotosound strings uh, from uh, since, man, that's one of my first endorsements, DiMarzio and Rotosound back in the day. And a couple other little things here and there. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's cool. Do you but use I, guitar I, picks? A lot, a lot of people think you make a lot of money off of Some artists probably do. I mean, some right. especially guitar players, because there's more. There's a like a ten percent bass players, ninety percent guitar player <laughs> ratio. Uh, uh, but uh, I, you know, I'll make a little like a little royalty check, but it's not it's not much at all. It's not that much, but you know, because I, I designed this with Yamaha. They're very expensive, so if I got, I if I wanted more money for each as a royalty, then they'd be even more expensive. So I told Yamaha. Hmm. I'd rather have you sell more of them so people can enjoy the bass because I'm doing fine. <laughs> you know, if I get a little, little check every couple of years from, from the bass, so that's cool. But uh, it's not, I've never been a money motivated guy, much to my wife's. Uh, <laughs> you should, you should we're, we're good, babe. We're good. <laughs> when I, when yeah. I say that, I've never really been money. I, I, get, I look over, I get to look. Like, Come on. <laughs> Oh man. So how, how does that, I mean, can you, can you explain, I mean, with, with the music business these days, I mean, like you were saying earlier, like, like radio play and, and stuff like making records, 
like where like like how do you like where does where does the real like revenue come from 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 by making an album by performance from, from touring yes yeah mm -hmm. we did uh the, the winery dogs tours being uh booked now and uh next february february march in usa i think there's more usa dates too uh and uh so m most of our our our, our income will comes most bands comes from live right. performance a lot of times when a label has a band they want a piece of your live uh, uh performance money now too and your merch money too so that's unfortunately mm -hmm. a lot of new bands that don't have the power to say no uh mm -hmm. they, they unfortunately they're they they're they get hit pretty hard with that but there's a trade-off the label is not working for you and hopefully that that works out it does, doesn't at all uh circumstances as i explained earlier <laughs> but uh uh yeah we we do okay we get out and, and perform live and uh we we do okay i'm uh i'm i'm very lucky i've been in a band with hit records and a couple of platinum albums and stuff and uh, i was always been wise with my money so we we're, we're in pretty good shape but but i love performing live it's i, I i've posted many times i i live to play live and i play live to live and uh so yeah. it's a little rough for me but we're going back out again we'll be out with the winery dogs next year and we're very excited i love playing with mike and richie and super great and trying to maybe a talish show or something as a little tribute to phil and some other things are on the uh, back burner as well. So hopefully I get to play live as much as I as I can uh, next year for sure. Any idea if you guys are coming to the the uh, Bay Area? I imagine we will be. I haven't I haven't seen the. Uh, they don't let us know the dates because we'll blab our big mouths about it, and the promoters <laughs> want to be the ones that announce it. So if we we're right. talking about it, uh, the promoters are going to get mad at us. So we just, they don't even tell us because they know we're, we got big models and we're, <laughs> oh. we'll say. So there's probably, uh, I would imagine, because San Francisco, we've played there, I think, every tour. And uh, so I would imagine we're going to be there again. I hope so. I love playing in the Bay Area. All the Mr. Big records were recorded at Fantasy in Berkeley. Fantasy oh. Studios. I used to live in Berkeley. I, I actually had a uh, like a, a workspace right around the corner from Fantasy. So it was like fifty. What was that? Taco, what's the taco place? Uh, it's not it has to, it has to it, it has to do with 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 Santana, right? You go in there and there's the, like the, there's a big Santana. Uh, I don't know. Well, there's just uh, it's called Wands. Yeah, Wands. It's yeah. called Wands. Yeah. Yeah. When we first got there, we didn't know anything about that. Everything. Oh, don't go to one. That's terrible. And I look and there's a line around the street. They go, how terrible could it be? It's so funny. Let's go to one. This is fantastic. But uh, there's a great little place. We do eat there a lot. For the first uh, Mr. Big record, then lean into it. Oh, wow. Head and Hey Man were all recorded there. Our producer, Kevin Elson, was just a wonderful guy. He produced all the Journey stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, he grew up with Leonard Skinner, and he was their guy. And our, our manager, Herbie, who was also Journey's manager, uh, uh, hired him. Here's a, here's a tragic but amazing story. Uh, when Journey was opening up for Leonard Skinner, and Herbie heard Leonard Skinner and thought they sounded amazing. So he went to 
the sound man, which was Kevin Olson, man, you sound so great. The mix this band sounds so great. If you ever want a gig, come to me and I'll hire you in a minute. So Kevin was on the plane. It crashed. Oh. Survived. Showed up at Herbie's office on crutches. Herbie hired him. Don't stop believing. All that stuff. Kevin produced all that stuff. And then he then when we came along, Kevin produced us. Then he came out on tour with us as well and ran front of house, which was a incredible honor. Amazing guy, wonderful wow. guy, just golden ears. He became one of the top live mixers in the world, really. He did the Michael Jackson Bad Tour. We were opening for Aerosmith in Europe, Mr. Big and Aerosmith on the Get a Grip Tour. And uh, we didn't know, but we were scoring. And we got a little heat to the management. As you know, that we're not sure we're going to have Mr. Big on the rest of the tour. And our manager going, no, 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 it's fine, you know, because I guess... Uh, and I don't know what the thing was. I don't even know if the band was involved at all, but somebody was worried that we were doing really well. And we, we were no way we would blow Aerosmith off the stage. They're, they're Aerosmith, but we, yeah. were, we were doing good, you know, and, and Aerosmith killed every night too, I thought. So we're backstage and I think it was Joe Perry and Tom Hamilton came back. Said, would you guys mind if, uh, if your front of house guy went out and listened to our mix and so here we go. I see it coming. Sure enough, they hired Kevin also for their mix. So he'd get done mixing us, come back, drink a water towel off, run back out and mix Aerosmith for the show. And then we were off that tour at the end of our of our uh, 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 contract or agreement, whatever. And Kevin stayed with them. I think he did one of the live records too uh, right after that. It was just a, just a great, great incredible mix but he was the guy who did all the production for us at fantasy in berkeley pretty pretty amazing guy wonderful man, man. Just, a, just a sweet wonderful great guy and uh supreme wow. talent pretty amazing that's we awesome got stories. we got stories that's awesome <laughs> yeah yeah man um man yeah fantasy studios um i i was i was talking to uh there's this guy named Joe Satriani. I don't know if you ever heard of him, but uh, I was talking to him one time, and he was he was telling saying something about uh, how he was with uh, with uh, uh, Vi at Fantasy while y you guys were working on uh, uh, Eat 'Em and Smile. I don't remember him ever being there. No, I guess he yeah. he said he um, he actually possibly. I think he said he lent um, a sitar to uh to vie for that i don't know i was pretty involved in all those sessions and we were playing live in a room mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't recall that at all hmm, hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah we're yeah. in the big room and greg bissonette's drums and my amp and we're playing and uh it was real that's why mm -hmm. when skyscraper came out after that uh, it was all done separately and you know, real, real uh, sterile. No amp for the bass. Plug right in and clean. You know, no, no, no life, no soul. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I, I, it was not my thing, but uh, I, I wish they had the best on it. So, mm -hmm. I, I loved that album. I remember listening. I had a paper out 
back then and i remember listening to, to skyscraper all the time yeah. and hearing the all the different guitars going on and being like how is he doing that because not knowing about overdubbing at the time you know yeah it's uh incredible it, it wasn't my thing it, it was uh uh eat him and smile if i think if we would have done eat him and smile too we it would have been a different world because people just took to that record but you know whatever that was a thousand years ago <laughs> there was pterodactyls flying past the studio that's I, I saw one i swear <laughs> oh man yeah yeah that was that was amazing but again i mean the fans i mean they love that stuff and i'm sure yeah, we had a great uh great time and uh yeah i'm all about uh i've often said and still say everything i own everything i have Everything that's mine, my home, my little retirement fund, all my bases, uh, came from a fan that bought a ticket, a T-shirt, or a record. And that's supremely important to me, and I'm supremely grateful for that. So I always go out of my way in any situation I can to take care of them in any, in any capacity. It's important to me. So if you guys come to the Bay Area on the next tour, I can meet you by the bus and you'll, you'll sign mine. Sure, I'll be open. Now, sometimes we got to leave right away. <laughs> so it's not always it's not it's not always, not always under my control. But generally, yeah, I always almost always do. And I remember standing in the rain in Germany in the middle of winter and people are their, their teeth are chattering. <laughs> I was like, Let, let's let's get through this. And the rain is coming down. So when I'd write on the thing, it would the, Oh. but we stayed there for an oh, hour no. and we had a great time and they had a, had a couple of beers and it was it was a memorable wonderful moment <laughs> oh man dang so so what about um uh let me see so 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 you said um you'll be back on tour next year yeah coming out and then like how how many with, with all the bands that you're in or projects, because I'm sure not only bands that you're currently in, but bands that you've been in, I'm sure there's projects that come up like like maybe reissues of albums or or something, you know, like how much of that stuff is like always like, are you always working on something? Yeah. Is it just it's usually six, eight months, even a year until what you're working on now happens. So we're always in the middle of things. Uh, I'm working on a bunch of records now. The Talus record, we did a long time ago, but it took a long time to come out because the, the supply chain for things for uh, the, during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, and to get vinyl pressed, there was a year waiting list. Uh, you take your your uh, album or the sound, the files to the uh, vinyl pl pressing plant, and it was a year wait. So Metal Blade happened to get it done as quick as possible. So it came out, came out in like two or three different colors of vinyl for the 1985, uh, the new record, 1985. And mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, and as I'm working on things now, I got a Christmas show in Buffalo. I'm, I'm learning all the songs for that now. That'll happen on December 15th or 16th in Buffalo, New York. We do one every year. Uh, and yeah, there's always a, a, a backlog of things you're doing that no one, no one will hear about for six to eight months. That's why a lot of times, I don't even want to say, hey, I'm working on a new record. And, you know, people, well, where can I buy it? I go, it's not done yet. 
a week later. <laughs> no, it's still not done. We haven't recorded yet. You record? Yeah, it's all recorded. <laughs> no, it's got to be mastered. Yeah. So, so just me and my big mouth, I shut up. So I, I've learned my lesson. <laughs> oh, man, we're getting a bunch of questions here. Mega Todd, thank you. Billy is a legend. Oh, you're very I mean, kind. That's the applause. How do you recharge? Any hobbies? Like what do you? Not, not really. Mostly everything is music to me. I get up, I come down here, I feed the cat, Rebel. He's eighteen pounds now, and these uh, <laughs> are good. Uh, sit on the couch there and start to work out and work on. Uh, so I'm not performing live. I got to keep my hands in shape, and it requires a lot of work because you can never uh, duplicate what you do when you play live. You hit way harder. Your calluses are right. way harder, so the tone of your hands is different. So, mm -hmm. um, but I'm I'm mostly about uh, music, most everything, and I collect a lot of music. I have uh, about two terabytes of iTunes, well curated with all the right cover art and all the titles done right in the right folder, and that's a that was a hobby of mine for a while. But it's still related. Uh, but we we moved to Nashville about four or five years ago, and. We live in a beautiful spot. We're so grateful. We have a forest in the back, and it's calm and peaceful. We're still five minutes away from anything we, you know, restaurants and whatever we might want. Uh, but it's really, nice. really a peaceful, wonderful place where it's a, it's a nice place that kind of automatically recharges your batteries to some degree. I'm out there feeding the chipmunks and the squirrel. We got the possums and the raccoons and deer and bobcats and fox coming around all over the place. So it's quite nice. But yeah, mostly, mostly music. I'm, I'm lucky, and I don't know where it came from, that I'm I'm so excited about this thing. I mean, I'll be in my car driving. Oh, oh, I got an idea. I got to get home and try that out, you know, and try this one thing. And I sit down every day. There's a new thing that I find out that I learn or come up with at least one, sometimes several things. And I have my little iPhone, and I'll, I'll put it on solo selfie video mm -hmm. and set it up and play to the iphone okay so here's the chorus but the second chorus comes around and, you know and i explain the song arrangement or here's this riff that's like the other one only now it's backwards and in a minor key you know to explain it to myself so i got hundreds and hundreds of little videos reminding myself of the, these little ideas and things but i'm so grateful that i'm still this enthused more than ever uh I remember when I was a kid or young, not a kid, back in Buffalo, people would knock on my apartment door and I'd walk to the door with my bass on. They'd say, don't you ever put that thing down? Go, no, in fact, I don't. <laughs> I'm always at it. And I heard some some players that don't practice much. God bless them. Good for them. I, I, I have to keep my hands in shape and I have to work a lot. But uh, but I'm always learning something new. And, and uh, it's a... It's so great that that adventure never ends. You will never, ever reach the end of what you can learn in music or on an instrument. You can, it can't be done. I'm, I, right. I, and, and even if you had three or four lifetimes, I don't think you could come to the end of it. There's always so much more. So I'm, I'm so thankful for that. That's awesome. Yeah, there's always something new. Always, always something new to learn. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm mainly a guitar player myself. I see. Um, but but as a, as a bassist, I would think, yeah, you'd have to really keep your hands in shape. Yeah. Because it, it takes a lot more more strength and muscle, especially with the stuff like like you do. I mean, 
Yeah, I, and I play, I play really hard live. A lot of people think I have super low action, but it's not. It's not way high, uh, but it's but it's not low. Because when you're playing hard and it's low, it just bottoms out. The string just meshes into the frets and there's no sound even comes out. So it's got to be up a certain amount. And when I first start a tour, it might be a little low because I'm my hands are getting up to speed. About two weeks in, I have to start raising the action because I'm bottoming out and I'm starting to hit harder. And the tone of that finger on the string, uh, if, if they're well calloused, the tone is definitive. And, you know, when it, when it starts yeah. it on like a pick, yeah. uh, it's going to make a pick out of your fingers when they get nice. The calluses get hard like that. So that's an important thing. But, so uh, you, you, you don't use a pick or do you? No, no. I'll finger player. Wow. And it's, uh, you know, and there's a, there's a whole bunch of techniques in order to make that work where the, you know, where you mm -hmm. four fingers, three, two, one, thump. There's all kinds of ways uh, when you're a straw, uh, plucking like a. Different, different uh, plucking techniques that are more like flamenco or classical guitar. Mm -hmm. A lot of regular six string players now do that a lot too. Yeah. And uh, so there's a, a, a lot of different ways of uh, getting a note off a of bass. Uh, but uh, the calluses for me. Like if I do some new thing and it's playing on a part of a finger that's soft, I know I'm going to be in trouble because I'm going to blister through there. So I have to hit it a little harder and build that callus up. I read so, years so, ago there was a thing you could dip your fingers into that would make it, but I, I think it was, it was bullshit. Because if it was, I'd have gallons of it. I'd be soaking my hands up to my elbows in that stuff. Oh, <laughs> like paraffin work. wax or something, right? Yeah, I don't know if that would work. I mean, I'd, <laughs> Your, your, your strings would be pretty bright at that. <laughs> Mike Olson, Billy is the four string commando. Great story. Super Very cool. kind of you, Mike. Thank you. Mike, thank you. Sherman thank you. Callahan, a lot of great support for the show tonight. Sherman Callahan, it's nice to see Billy on your show tonight, Johnny. I think I worked with him at the Canyon, the Canyon right. Club with Mr. Big. And the Rose in Pasadena. I remember we did those two shows. It's the same, uh, I think it's the same management. It runs those two uh, clubs. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. We had uh, our drummer, Pat Torpy, was still with us then. And mm -hmm. uh, we sadly he passed away. And uh, that was that was tough. <laughs> and he's my closest musical friend. And so I remember that tour specifically because of some of the last shows we did with him. And he was just a, one of the sweetest, most talented, wonderful people. And I know some rotten people in this world, and they're all healthy. Doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> Sad to see. I don't mean to make light of it, but uh, it's uh, it's it, yeah. I I did get, I I when I met you guys in Lincoln, Nebraska again. Thank you, John Terry, um, uh, Pat Torpy. I remember meeting. I remember seeing. I I went to the show. I met you at the two the record shop and the guitar shop, and then I went to the you got when we guys, when you guys were playing that night. I went in, and Pat's like he's like come on to the show. Like I ran into him. Yeah. So so got a Either ticket. One, yeah. Saw you guys and what a great drummer too. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're I'm at that age. I'm an old guy. I've been playing since. Uh, well, I saw Hendrix play. It was my first concert in '68. Wow. And I've been around for a long time. So, uh, you know, some of my my, my uh, compatriots, uh, sadly, we have have moved on, and uh, it's tough, mm -hmm. uh, especially when you're playing with someone. And you're in a band. It's almost like 
similar dynamic to being married, oddly. Yeah. Uh, even so much as some guy, one of the band members goes out and sees another band. They're like, hey, what are you going, what are you going to see that band for? <laughs> oh, they're cheating on you. Uh, but it's an interesting <laughs> dynamic. But but you also make some of the most incredible friendship relationships with, with people that uh, just become so vitally important to your life. And uh, I've been lucky to play with great, great people. I, I, I don't know of anyone that I did not have a good relationship. Sometimes they go south and then you split up and then it goes by and you're friends again. You know, it's, it's business. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, things like that are going to happen, but still everybody, mm -hmm. almost everybody I've ever played with, I'm still very dear friends with. And uh, I'm very pleased about that. Not everybody, sadly, I wish I was, uh, but uh, most yeah. everybody. It's it's a, and it's a great uh, community of people. Like I said, Steve Vine, Greg Bissonette. Sadly, we lost Brett, lost Brett Tuggle, was our keyboard player on Needham's Smile Tour. All the guys in Mr. Big now, Pat or Pat is gone, but Paul and Eric, dear friends of mine. Winery Dogs guys, great Sons of Apollo, fantastic. Uh, uh, so it's uh, all the Talos guys too. Really, really wonderful. So uh, it's a uh, it's a good thing. Wow. Yeah, amazing. Metalhead Hippie, thank you for your support, man. Boom for Billy. Rock on being right on. Metal Metalhead Hippie. He's got a great channel on YouTube. He he actually plays a lot of like I would say not local music, but like now every, with the internet, everything's local, right? Yeah, right. But but he he basically plays like like anybody can like send him a video. Maybe some of the bands you you're doing some stuff with, maybe they'll send a video and and uh and uh he'll Metalhead Hippie will play it, you know? Yeah, we, I get videos from a lot of people doing the, especially the Mr. Big Song. I must have had a thousand to be with yous and hundreds of Just Take My Heart and hundreds of Wild World and Daddy Brother. But it's so wonderful. And you see some kids, you know, just young kids, and it's, you know, they're struggling through it. But they're, it, it's, it's so endearing. <laughs> it's amazing to see. At one point, there was five Mr. Big copy bands in Italy. So it was that's just Italy and a bunch in uh, Brazil wow. and all around the world and pretty awesome, pretty pretty amazing. Uh, quite yeah. an honor to, to to see people out there that enjoy what we do, you know, through the years. Pretty cool. Have you ever sat in with a, a tribute band? Oh yeah, playing your own stuff. Yeah, sure thing. Yeah, absolutely. Down in uh, well, we I went down to Mexico a couple of months ago just to do kind of a bass clinic and a jam. We we played a whole bunch of uh, I think we did uh, I think we did addicted to that rush and I sang it but I had to sing it Billy Gibbons pitch as opposed to Eric Martin pitch <laughs> so I had to, when I was a young boy <laughs> when we got there so I did the Billy Gibbons <laughs> but uh, yeah we're I'm, I'm I'm always honored when I when I see people doing our stuff it's pretty cool mm hmm mm hmm and uh, were you at the last Nam show. Did no, the one that happened like in the spring or something. In June, there was yeah, one this last June. So upset. Well, then this year, uh, twenty twenty three is also going to be like in April. Right. I'll be on tour, so I can't go, and mm. nor, nor can anyone else. That's why January is the perfect. Nobody's on tour in January. You wait till February till the holidays get done, so everybody could go. So I, I don't know who's running the ship there, but man, they, they just. Uh, I think I really. Uh, disappointed if they chose to do that they said that next year 2024 is going to be back to january 
And I used to have a summer one in uh, Nashville, and they stopped that. So, And you could just walk over to that one, right? Yeah, I could walk. It's right across the street. <laughs> <laughs> they had one here once, and it was great, because it wasn't, like, complete psychotic like it is in Anaheim in yeah. January. I mean, yeah. it's uh, I mean, it's good, because it's only about two or three days. If I had to do that for a week, I'd, I'd probably, I, I don't know if I would, could survive that. But, uh, right. but yeah, I'm seeing everybody, all the band guys that you don't see, uh, you get to hang out with everybody and jam with everybody. It's so cool. But they decided to do it not in January. So I see their point because January is cold and flu season and the pandemic has destroyed everybody's finances and careers enough already. So hopefully we're done with this. Yeah. It's been a weird couple couple years. Uh-huh. But 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 speaking of Nam, like can you remember any any really cool like like Nam jams that you did? Oh, like I mentioned, when I played with Michael Anthony. We did the jam with uh, Ken Hensley. Uh, you're right from your eye heap doing easy living, mm-hmm. stealing. I think we did stealing too. That was an old talisman. We did that every single night, three or four times a night. So I knew it. Uh, a bunch, yeah. We we uh, it's hard to it's hard to remember uh, offhand, but and just hanging out with and seeing people. Al Cooper, who did. Uh, played B3 and all the Dylan records, uh, produced uh, the Tubes, produced a bunch, wrote amazing songs, just one of the most iconic guys. I hung out with him. We're sitting at a table at the Hilton, and nobody, and he had glasses on, and and, uh, nobody knew who it was. So he was was kind of digging that, like, this is great. I can sit here and nobody knows who I am. So we had an amazing talk. You know, he's just such an iconic, incredible. He, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, that was his band. He started that band, and uh, what a it's, it's amazing stories! I've been lucky to hang with some of these guys that were my idols when I was younger. Uh, Jack Bruce and I did a photo shoot for the cover of Guitar World, and while, all day during the photo shoot and interview, we were telling stories back and forth. And amazing guy! I went to Larry DiMarzio had a dinner at a friend of his, his apartment and Ian Hunter was there. Me and Ian sat and talked all night. It was a riot. We're playing in Japan and I'm in my little dressing room getting ready and Eric knocks on the door and he goes, Billy, somebody here to see you. And I'm kind of busy. I'm kind of bothered. Who? Who is it? He goes, Robert Fripp. I go, get out of here. <laughs> there he was. I couldn't believe it. I'm a huge <laughs> fan. I was, oh my God, Robert. And then, oh. He, he wanted to see the show, but he wanted to go out in the audience because he's kind of a private person. So we sat him, sat him right, it's a proscenium stage, so we sat right on my side of the stage, about mm-hmm. 15 feet from me. So no pressure. So as I'm playing, I'm realizing, oh, I stole that from King Crimson. Oh, that, that's from him too. <laughs> so, so many things that I got from him. We, we hung afterwards and he told me how they did uh, in the court of the Crimson King record in somebody's living room in about a week which is interesting. I've been, I've been telling that story because we did the new Talis record in Mark Miller's living room in a week. So we used mm-hmm. that little parallel. Not, not that uh, Talis is a King Crimson record by any stretch of, the, of, our, of our delusion or imagination, but, but uh, it was just amazing <laughs> to hear the stories of all the people that he played with and what a wonderful guy. We've stayed in touch through the years too. Just, a, just, a, just amazing, incredible music, huge influence on me. So I've been very lucky to to bump into some people uh, uh, along those lines. Ah, oh, that's that's great, man. 
That's awesome. Let's see. We got a couple couple more questions here. I know we said we'd do about an hour ish. Uh, let's see. What does Billy think of bassists he has inspired? Um, like B O H from Baby Metal. Have you heard of Baby Metal? I do. I do. Uh, yeah. Or F Chopper. Oh, that's, uh, that's. I think I know who Bo is. Yeah, I think I do. I think I know that guy. Yeah, it's good to see. I I, uh, I got most. Well, I made up a bunch of things. I think, uh, but I've, I've relied heavily on being inspired by somebody. The New Talis record, the song Intermounting Flame, mm-hmm. that was an album title of the Mahavishnu Orchestra. John McLaughlin, Billy Cobham on drums, Jerry Goodman on violin, Jan Hammer on keyboard. Come on. Unbelievable. Wow. Uh, I remember hearing that record and thinking, I don't know, man. I don't know if I can do that. I was thinking, what am I going <laughs> to do? So a couple of days went by. I was like, God damn it. I, I got to learn. <laughs> I got to learn this stuff that kills me. So a huge inspiration <laughs> to me. And I always try to give credit. Uh, Tim Bogart and the Vanilla Fudge, huge influence on me. Just, mm-hmm. just I, I just played a track for Carmine Apathy, and I, and I said, I'm doing it Timmy style, and I did the Timmy tone and the Timmy moves as best I could, because he was just great. A Paul Samuel Smith and the Yardbirds, huge influence on me there. Went back and forth call and response with Jeff Beck and the mm-hmm. Yardbirds, unbelievable. Uh, and whistle Jack Bruce, along, everybody. And then piano players and sax players, guitarists, drummers, a huge drummer fan. So if I do anything that inspires someone, I'm very pleased to hear. Uh, I wouldn't mind if they gave me credit once in a while. I'm kidding. So. <laughs> <laughs> but you know they don't have to it's a certain thing because I, I i but I, I for me it's, it was important to to, to cite c-i-t-e cite uh who uh who led me down that path i saw billy gibbons in 74 go with it that, he touched the fretboard with his finger and, and, and that's how I got hammer-ons from him in 1974. And, uh, really? Yeah. Wow. The pinch I don't know that. All those pinch harmonics, that's all total Billy Gibbons. And I would yeah. say to people in the press all the time, they'd say, oh, you must have got hammer-ons from Ed Van Halen. they go, no, 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 many, many years earlier, 74, I saw Billy Gibbons. It was Billy Gibbons. Oh, you must be Ed Van Halen. Oh, I love Ed, and I learned a lot from him, of course. Who didn't? I got the original idea from Billy Gibbons. So years go by. I'm in L.A. I went to see Lita Ford. She was recording in a studio. And she was a dear friend of mine. So I didn't know they set me up, and Billy Gibbons was there. So I showed up, and there's Billy. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. What a pleasure. I've been your fan forever. And and we hung and talked all night. Lita went in the other room, was cutting vocals. And it was a dream come true. I just love ZZ Top. I remember working on it, even smiled. David would come down, yeah, more ZZ Top. Make it more ZZ Top, you know. It was just <laughs> the greatest band. And so we got done. I was about to go, and uh, I have it hanging on the wall. I'd show it to you, but I got to get up. I was about to go, and uh, I said, Billy, you know, what an honor. And, and he goes, uh, he goes, uh, and he reaches in his bag, and he pulls out a framed photo of himself, signed, 
behind the glasses sign to Billy from Billy Gibbons. And I go, wow, I, I am blown away. I, because I, I guess he knew he was going to run into me that night. So he was kind enough to do that. And I go, man, this is so great. I go, what, what, what brought this on? He goes, he goes, uh, I, I hear what you say about me in the interviews. And he goes, keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I do. I give Billy credit for, for what, he, what he gave to me and how awesome he is. And uh, such a shame to lose Dusty, wow. man. I love that band. Right. The longest running original lineup band in history, I think. ZZ Top. That's... Like that. Anyway, my point being that I got it from somebody. So if I see... If, if I could be a positive influence on someone else, I'm, I'm very, very pleased about that. Always pleased to hear that. Right on, right, right on. on. So, so, so you're saying, so in 74 is when you saw him do the. Yep. And that was that. Yeah. That, yeah. So was... I'm in Dallas doing all this, you know, all this stuff. And then we hear. I thought that was my idea. And of course, Ed. <laughs> Ed was had a way better handle on it than I did. I think he he knew how to utilize it in a much better way. I was doing it, but I I hadn't really specialized in it. I didn't know that you, it could be there. But there was one other point about that that uh, I'll share. I hope that this this works. Yeah. Uh, there's a. I heard that. Um, I read in uh, Greg Renoff's book. Oh, and Helen Rising. Great. Hey, great. Gre- hey, Greg. Greg's a great, great dude. Oh, he's the greatest. I spoke, spoke with him. We did a bunch of stuff. I needed his mouth. Too. One of a guy. Mm-hmm. But he said that Ed went to Tower Records and found a band called Genesis, and Van Halen was briefly called Genesis, and Ed was yeah. like, "Well, oh, there's already a Genesis, so we got to." So, but on that, maybe it was that record was. was uh, Attack of the Giant Hogweed. Wow. It did sound familiar, didn't it? Yes. Very similar motif. So I I speculated maybe Ed bought that record and heard that. I was inspired by Steve Hackett. That was the guitarist who did that. Uh, But uh, yeah, I... It was uh wow. It was last October, wasn't it? We lost Ed. October years uh, ago. twenty two. It's been two years. Yeah, what a wonderful man! What a, a great player! And I always said he was the he was that little light that kept me going when I almost couldn't keep going. I was still back in Buffalo, Mister Nowhere, trying to get a deal, trying to do this, trying to get that. Man breaks up, put another one together, and another one breaks up. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, oh, what the hell am I going to do? You know, not getting any younger. And Ed would take my phone call. So for me, he really was the guy that kept that flame lit uh, for uh, inspiration to me. Just a, what a great, great man. He was always kind to me. And, and this is one little thing, the fact that Ed would take my call was like... <laughs> At least somebody thinks I'm. <laughs> I'm <laughs> this one guy will take my phone call. 
and uh, he was such an ins- uh, inspiration to me. So great. I was, I was devastated to lose him. Yeah. But man, what a legacy. Yeah. Yeah. And you toured with them in, in 1980, which, yeah. by the way, I don't. Did you post this photo? There was a. I think I kept it somewhere. Um, there's a Halloween photo that's been circulating for years. Yeah. Oh, here it is. I found it. Yeah, it's been circulating for years and years and years. Years but was cut off. I've never seen. Yeah. Everybody wanted to know whose finger that was. I've never. I I never saw the version of you in it. Whose hand was that? And near Alex. <laughs> it was Halloween. It was Halloween. Eddie was Look a keeper. Michael was a mummy. Dave was uh, I don't know something. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and Alex was Groucho Marx. And I'm there oh. with, with my wristbands are still on from the show. <laughs> and uh, and I finally posted my version of it and people, oh, that, that's whose finger it was. <laughs> wow. Amazing. What a band. On that tour, on their worst, they were only spectacular. They were just on fire. Women and Children first tour and wow. What a, they were just amazing every night. Just we, we stayed after the show and watched them every single night. And then oh, I, yeah. I solo it was a, was the uh, I hope I can do it uh, was it was a, the Mean Street solo was part yeah. of the solo live and later on they put it they used it as the opening for that song. But I remember watching them thinking, how in the world is he? And I couldn't do it. And I was aha, it said. I had to do it on G. It should be an E note there, I know. Mike Portnoy's got yeah. amazing ears. So when I said it, he goes, wait, no, no, it's supposed to be a hat. I know, but it's, it's a bass. I don't have the, don't have the E string. <laughs> so I got a little reprimanded for playing it. But G works because it's E minor. So that's my excuse. Oh. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Well, what, hey, let's what experience. Go ahead. Oh, uh, let's uh, I know we said about an hour. It's a little over, but take Jan, our, question or so if you want. Our friend Janice, our friend Janice says, can Billy explain his fret markers? Yes. Uh, initially, I did what's called a scalloping. So if you look close, these frets are cut. Oh, the yeah. In between is cut out. And John McLaughlin used to do that back in uh, Mahavishnu Orchestra. I think Richie Blackmore did it, and then definitely Ingve was probably the most noteworthy for that, because his whole neck is scalloped. So we did mm-hmm. a tour summer of 85, which is why the Nutellus record is called 85, 1985. Uh, and I thought, well, I'd like to do some scalloping, but I don't want to do the whole neck, because you need that wood on a bass neck for that big, fat sustain. So I just did it halfway across and so when yamaha did this they used that shape as the fret marker even though there's there's no scallop anywhere else and then we did a version of this base for the winery dogs where we put a little neck on that and made it into a wine bottle so all the fret markers are wine bottles and the body of the base is made of uh, red plexiglass so it looks like cabernet and the knobs are corks. And so we, that's the winery dog base. So we managed to do a variation on this with oh, that. Wow. But uh, yeah, it was uh, a gentleman was named Rich Lasner, I think was the 
guy that designed this with me. I think I believe that was his idea to make the Nicolaitis. But initially, they were the same color as the base. So on the blue base, the fret markers were blue. On the red base, or vice versa, the red base, they were blue. Blue base, they were red. And it was red on the side, too, where you look at it. So we, the first time I played it, when they turned the red lights on, the fret markers disappeared. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Head over to the side of the stage. Gonna, gonna, took a Sharpie and gonna, I put a little black mark on each one. Here's like, see, see where the hell I was. So it was a shot myself right, right in the foot, shot myself. Wow. Story for everything, I guess. Oh, yes. And that's awesome. That's awesome, man. Well, hey, this is this is this has been great, dude. I mean, thank thank you so much. Thanks for having thank, me on, and thank, thank you to your your wonderful listeners and watchers here. I sorry we couldn't get to more questions. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I read all my communication and respond to it myself personally, which is a gargantuan task, but I'm happy to do it. <laughs> it is him. I remember I I emailed you. Uh, this was back in 1990. This is right after I got done working with Desmond Child. I came back here to California, and I didn't get to see Van Halen on the Van Halen Three tour. But I got some VH friends gave me some bootleg you know videos, and I remember emailing you when I first got on the internet. Got your email and emailed you asked you what you thought about Van Halen Three, because that was the newest record at the time. Uh -huh. And you wrote back saying you thought it was amazing. You thought it was it was it was great cool and um and so yeah if you guys if you do reach out to billy that that is him <laughs> i mean i mean look I do, and there he is <laughs> I, do, I do like a master class in nashville very close to my house is a music store called lane music i'm going to mm -hmm. be doing one the 9th and 10th of december it's probably the last one well for the year of course uh and i'm not sure how much time i'll have to do them next year it's one-on-one -on -one, sit down and any mm -hmm. bass uh, thing i can help someone else out with i do those we're doing one on november 5th and 6th but that's already sold out but if i can answer a question or, or help anybody out i'm happy to and uh i enjoy hearing from people too right on right on one, one last question never forget is saying when will billy be back in new york city uh probably with the winery dogs i imagine i don't know where or when but i know where like i said we're playing uh I know February and March are booked up. I like I said, they won't tell us the uh, dates because we will open our big mouths. But I, I'm sure there's going to be New York City, uh, certainly. Uh, and I'm just speculating. I would imagine Eddie Trunk would be the host. Eddie's been just so great for us. He's been such a huge help to us, and what a wonderful mm -hmm. help. so many bands. He's been so great to so many people, keeping the great music alive and and prospering as well so we owe him a lot so we'd want to do a, a show with eddie as our as our master of ceremonies down there i'm sure oh that'd be great that'd be great man billy thank you so much my great, pleasure honey great catching up with you and the next time the next time hopefully we'll see each other at the nam show at some point all right because i love running in, running into you there and um can I get one last channel ID? Because I think the last one you, you got cut off. Can I just get a, hey, sure this is thing. Billy Sheehan. You're watching Johnny Bean TV. Okay, ready? Ready. Hola, amigos. This is your bass player, Billy Sheehan. You're watching me right here on my dear friend, John. Uh, I, you, you, it went away. 
Oh and no! Uh, Johnny, please. <laughs> I can, I can. We, we do radio IDs all the time, but if it's not written down, even if the guy is standing right there, it's a, it's a weird mental. Problem. You said we're dear friends, Johnny, but then he couldn't remember my name. Dear friend, uh, what's it? Uh, who is that? <laughs> no, it's a weird thing. Uh, whenever we do radio IDs or TV things, <laughs> if it's not written down, you're, you're lost. It's hilarious, but. Johnny B, come on, here we go. Let's do, take two. I'll get it this time, I swear to God. All right. Ready. All right. Hola, amigos. This is Billy Sheehan, your bass player. Here with my dear friend, Johnny Bean. I never forget this guy. He's been so wonderful to me. <laughs> Let me do take three, sorry. Thank you, Billy. I overdid it now. Here we go. Oh. Hola, amigos. This is Billy Sheehan, your bass player. Uh, saying hello to you from the fabulous Johnny Bean show. And uh, thank you for having me on, Johnny. And... Uh, I hope I see you all around. New Talus is out. New winery dogs coming. Gracias. Thank you, Billy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so okay. much, man. And uh, we'll see you. Uh, we'll we'll see you soon. Okay, I'll be around. I'll get in touch if anything is up and uh, to be continued. Okay, we'll do. We'll do. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, Thanks for watching. Everyone. I'll All see right. you guys tomorrow. Johnny Bean TV. Bye, Billy. All right. Take care. Thanks again.